A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, welcome back to the show. This week, I thought I'd look at another witchy herb, that of henbane or hyacinthus. And it usually has a second part to its Latin name, deducing the variety of the plant. And there's loads. I'm going to be speaking about it generally. And if it's in reference to a specific variety, I'll name it. Now, henbane is in the same family as deadly nightshade or belladonna, which I covered last season. It's also an incredibly toxic plant and it produces very odd looking flowers the scent of which is very pungent and similar to rotting flesh in some cases, giving it its other name of stinking nightshade. The scent alone can make you feel ill, giddy, or cause you to collapse. Now, I'm going to talk about some of the historic uses of this plant, and some people worked with it by ingesting it, and I'm just presenting here historical information. The plant is lethal, And the dose to achieve that isn't known, so it's best to not mess with it. The slightest overdose can cause an irregular heartbeat, convulsions, vomiting and ataxia, which are disorders that affect the speech and balance. Now in some cases, the plant can cause irreversible symptoms and intoxication can last for days. In worst case scenarios, the respiratory system becomes paralysed and death quickly ensues. 
It's a curiously named plant. Bane is an old English word that means death. Now, some think the hen part relates to the fact that hens were susceptible to death after eating its seeds, but others actually think it relates to the first time it appeared within written language, around 1000 CE or the 10th century. The plant took the name of Henna Bell. Henna is thought to relate to Odin when he was nearing his death phase, making henbane essentially mean death, death. Some think the bell part is due to the bell-shaped flowers. It was also sacred to the Greeks, and they linked it to Apollo, which earned one variety the name of Herba Apollonoris. Now, henbane to the Greeks was known as Hioskyamos, meaning pig bean, leading some to conclude that this would have been sacred to Demeter and Persephone. Their sacred animal was the sow. You may remember from the fertility magic episode where I spoke about the important oldest festival to those two goddesses, called Thesmophoria, where piglets were sacrificed in order to renew the land. Its modern name of henbane came into play around the middle of the 13th century, but it's much, much older than its name. A Neanderthal man was found in Europe, and on his person he had Phaedra. Yarrow and Henbane. The body dates to sixty thousand years ago. Now Henbane was native to Eurasia and Africa, but now it's widespread throughout the globe. It tends to grow in waste areas. Think of borders, ruins, edges, graveyards, and areas covered in rubbish and litter. Ethnobotanist Wolf Dieterstall. Believes that henbane has been in use throughout Eurasia since Paleolithic times, particularly for shamanic and ritualistic use. In support of this theory, an urn was found in Austria, containing snail shells, bones, and henbane seeds, dating from the beginning of the Bronze Age. Pliny believes that Hercules was the first to discover henbane while he was in Hades trying to capture Cerberus as one of his twelve labors. He was often depicted with a henbane crown, which became a symbol of action and his triumph over the underworld and his ability to transcend its borders. Given the fact that the seeds look like a jawbone, and as a certain herb it rules over bones, it was traditionally thought that the seeds could help with toothache. Toothache was thought to be worms eating through the teeth, so one recipe called for the fumigation of the mouth to destroy these worms. Don't try this at home, please. The person would burn onion seeds, frankincense, and henbane, and inhale it through the mouth. And just a side note here: there's loads of ancient spells around teeth and dental issues, and this in itself is intriguing. Today, with better access to dental care than our ancient ancestors, it's incredibly easy how quickly we can disconnect to the danger. And the level of pain people experienced in regards to the health of their teeth. Think of the pain from a minor tooth issue, to the potentially dangerous infections, and not having the expertise or knowledge to actually deal with the root issue. It makes sense that teeth were given their own special place within witchcraft, as they were an ever-present problem. But back to henbane. So the Gauls would often use this plant to poison their spears. Also, henbane was said to aid with lycanthropy, the ability to transform into a werewolf. This is thought to have been used within the Germanic warrior cults, 
where they aim to channel supernatural strength and abilities in order to dominate the battlefield. The Norse berserkers, in a similar way, supposedly used this plant to enter a trance-like state that helped them in battle, while throughout ancient Arabia, people would spice up their coffee with the crushed seeds. La Vouzois, you may remember her from season 1 in my Building the Evil Witch series. Basically, she was a famous witch within the court of Louis XIV. She used henbane and a lot of her poisons. It was also reputed that in the early Middle Ages, necromancers used the smoke of this plant to invoke the souls of the dead. However, by the end of the Middle Ages, the seeds were strewn over hot coals in bathhouses and brothels to invoke salacious behaviour. Quite the range of use. It could also be infused in warm oil to be used either as a pain reliever or as an erotic stimulator. Henbane was also said to be used as an ingredient within the infamous flying ointment, a balm that European witches smeared on themselves in order to fly to the Sabbaths, and Persian magicians used it in a similar way where they would imbue wine with the plant and then perform astral travel. Within Germany, the seeds were added to beer, making it a psychoactive substance. This was associated with Donar, the son of Odin. Now, Donar was known for his love of alcohol, and he could hold his drink. The strongest of these henbane brews were offered in his name. Now, so attached were the Germans to this beer, that they planted henbane just for the purpose of putting the seeds in the beer they drank. And so prevalent was this practice, that places have actually been named after Hembane. Bilsensi, meaning Hembane Lake, near Munich, and Billendorf, Hembane Village, which now lies in Poland, are some of the places. Now these sites, as well as others that were committed to growing Hembane, were under Odin's protection, and they were considered very sacred. Bill is said to be a proto-Germanic word for vision or hallucination. There was even a goddess known as Bill, which was interpreted as exhaustion, and she is regularly depicted as the moon. There's suggestions that she may have been a fairy of Henbane, similar to the green fairy of Wormwood that I mentioned back in that episode. Or she was seen as a goddess of the plant. Now she also has links to rainbows. Billrost is the name of the rainbow bridge that leads to Asgard, home of the Norse gods. With this link, the word Bill could also be the original word for Heaven's Bridge, an interesting idea given that Hembane is used within astral projection. You may have heard of Pilsner beer, which got its name from the city it was traditionally brewed in, called Plinzen, a bohemian word that has got roots in the Hembane plant. Now, a law was passed in 1516 called the Bavarian Purity Laws that banned the practice of adding henbane seeds to beers and was enforced through fines and even imprisonment. However, people within Siberia still chop up the roots and leaves of henbane and place it into their beer that's either still fermenting or finished. One glass of this alone is enough to leave the drinker in utter confusion. But this idea of flavouring beer with henbane isn't a new practice. It was found to be taking place in Scotland in a Neolithic site called Balfarg or Balbirni, near Glenrothes, at around 2000 BCE. It's said that the druids and the bards inhaled this smoke to travel to the realm of the Fae. Personally, I question this. Having looked into the Fae in the last two episodes, 
they weren't a race of creatures that people may have wanted to intentionally contact. Gaelic cultures were terrified of the Fae. They were malicious, evil creatures that were to be avoided. So I think for this one, a pinch of salt is needed. There's the suggestion that it's been linked to acts of prophecy, particularly the seeds. The Oracle of Delphi supposedly inhaled the fumes of the burning seeds. The Oracle of Amon also worked with it, it's thought. There's also a burial in Denmark that alludes to its prophetic ability. The grave dates back to 980 CE and contained the body of a woman. Now alongside her body was grave goods, hinting to her shamanic abilities, as well as a pouch of henbane seeds. Now, she would have been called a vulva, which is essentially a shaman-type figure, and her community would have revered her and sought her guidance. Typically, the vulva would have entered a trance-like state and go to the other worlds to seek answers about various things, including the future. It's thought the henbane seeds would facilitate this process. Now, it's thought that the plant doesn't enhance the skill of the diviner, but rather opens them up to possession by deities who speak through these oracles. Effectively, the plant would help the person channel the spirit world. What makes it psychoactive? Well, this is largely due to the two main alkaloids of hyoscyamine and hyoscine, from which the plant takes its Latin name, as well as atropine. Hyoscyamine, you might remember, is also present in belladonna, Henbane has far more of this chemical, making it less excitatory and more of a sedative on the nervous system. It can cause hallucinations and delirium, and it can lead to a coma resulting in death. It was also described as causing wad, an archaic Old English word meaning madness or fury, which is actually linked to Woden or Odin, who oversaw fury within battles and passion, as well as shamanic ecstasy. It can be used as a painkiller and an antispasmodic. It was used to combat symptoms of early Parkinson's, helping with the tremors. In terms of pain, the best delivery was to smash up the leaves and let it soak in oil, then, after a few weeks, apply topically. The ancient Egyptians smoked the plant to ease dental problems, particularly toothache. Now, the Egyptian version of this plant, Hyoscyamus muticus, contains higher concentrations of the alkaloids I spoke about earlier, resulting in a stronger reaction to this plant. Smoking it also has an anti-asthmatic effect on the body, and this was done by the traveller communities up until the 1940s. It's got a very long history of use within magic, and this is thought to be due to the fact it's related to three of the planets most associated with witchcraft and magic, and that's Saturn, Venus, and Mercury. These planets all have their own separate and distinct connection to the other worlds and magic. With its link to the macabre, Saturn makes it useful when working with malicious magic and rituals with the dead. It's also wonderful with binding and creating barriers. This idea of halting activity is a very Saturnian principle. The plant's ability to transcend the worlds by crossing the veil or astral travel marks it with mercurial energies. Its connection to love and aphrodisiacs links it to the mighty Venus, the ruler of romance and passion. 
The witches of Thessaly supposedly used it within their aphrodisiac potions. The ancient Assyrians called it Sakiru and combined it with sulfur to protect against malicious spirits and magic. The Celts offered it to Bellonus, the god of oracles and the sun. The Romans saw his equivalent as Apollo, and it's thought that the Celtic name for this plant is Bellonutia. Nobelinus was also called the Shining One, and his epithet has rubbed off on the plant. Some have found this confusing. There is nothing shining about this plant. In fact, it borders on the dark side. It also gets called White Hembane. White isn't a colour that features anywhere on it. So, what's the connection? In my opinion, when I was looking into the effects of the plant, users reported seeing flashing lights when closing their eyes and under the influence of this plant. I also wondered if this is why it's connected to so many deities who wield lightning bolts. It's been linked to Jupiter, and in some places it's actually called Jupiter's beam, and it's also linked to Thor and Zeus. It's difficult to find out the ancient Egyptian magical uses for this plant, as a hieroglyphic name hasn't been discovered yet so information can only be gathered through Greek reports and literature. But ancient Egyptians were undoubtedly using it. It played a role in the Egyptian cult of the dead, and it was found at the animal necropolis at Saqqara. It's also thought to play a role within the secret rites of the dervishes or the Sufis. Now, Alexander of Tralles was a Gnostic, a religion that was pre- and early Christian that promptly got stomped out. Now, he prescribed the root of the plant to be tied around the neck of a patient for pain relief. It would be particularly useful for gout, but it must be harvested when the moon is in Aquarius or Pisces, before sunset, only using the left hand with the thumb and third finger. Alexander-like precision, it seems. Henbane has a long history with the dead. In Scotland, in another Neolithic site, it contained traces of henbane in offering bowls in what's thought to be a building dedicated to processing the dead. Dr. Charette, an archaeologist, believes there's evidence of psychopompic shamanism, the idea of guiding the souls of the dead, and possibly this was all a ritual around spirit flight. It's said this plant eases the spirit out of the body and makes passage into the underworld easier. Interestingly, this lines up with Greek mythology, where spirits of the recently deceased were crowned with hembane to make them forget about their former lives as they wandered aimlessly along the river Styx, which separated them from the land of the living. Notice the contrast of these crowns with Hercules' crown, which I mentioned earlier. It was a symbol of action and triumph. There's some who say this is a metaphor on how to deal with the plant. If you approach the plant with a goal in mind and humility, Hercules was respectful when he entered Hades and he asked Hades if he could take Cerberus, then your experience will differ greatly than those with no aim at all, the people at the shore of the river Styx, and those who are arrogant. Within this labour of Hercules, two men were disrespectful and approached Hercules, they didn't survive the underworld. In regards to the henbane crowns making the dead forget their previous lives, it's also thought this references the plant's ability to make those who ingest it forget that they've actually taken it. 
It was also placed around tombs and gravesites, perhaps as a protective measure to make the dead forget their lives, but equally it could be an aid for the living to forget their loss. The plant also has heavy connections with water. An ancient Swedish ritual involved the stalk being dipped in a well and then using it to sprinkle water on the ground to bring rain. Over in Germany with a similar ritual, a group of women, one of whom would be a virgin, would travel to where Hembane grew, dig it up with her right pinky finger and then tie the plant to her right pinky toe. She'd then walk to a river and throw it in. The other women would sprinkle the girl with water and walked back with her to the village in her own footsteps in order to bring about rain. Interestingly, the plant is incredibly drying when taken internally. A 15th century spell for keeping rabbits out of the garden involved putting henbane leaves in a poppet, then placing this where they commonly entered. It's thought that this was easily adapted for keeping a person away, though I would be extremely careful when handling the leaves or any other part of this plant, and personally, I wouldn't risk it. Traditionally, the seed pods were incorporated into warding spells. A person's name would be written on paper. This was then folded and placed into the seed pod, and then it was stopped with black wool, which has links to Hades. In another spell, the root was also carried on the person in the belief that it will make them invulnerable. Again, I wouldn't recommend working with the plant as it's so dangerous and toxic. Henbane has had a very storied past that stretches into prehistory and has been used to bring people together as a dangerous ingredient within love potions, as well as contact and commune with the dead. The plant has also been described as a time eater. Nightshades are infamous for slowing down time and warping it. Is this perhaps an insight to how we will perceive time once we pass over? And Majors, that's it. That is a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me? With your support, I can dedicate more time to the mage as well. You can financially support me through Patreon, where you'll gain access to more content and connect with the mage as well community. The link for this is in the episode description. If you're not keen on pledging money for whatever reason, but you still want to support, you can follow my Instagram at the mage as well. You could tell your friends and family about the show. You could post about the podcast. And most importantly, you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is really important. It really helps because it boosts the algorithm over on Apple Podcasts and it draws in new listeners and helps get the podcast out there. Please help me out. This is an independent podcast. It's just me researching, producing and editing. Anything you can do will help. If you own a business and would like to advertise on the show, please get in touch. The show's email is themajorswell at gmail.com. Special thanks to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.